Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And living high V in Iowa coming up this weekend. Friend of this show, he's the voice of IndyCar, the IMS Radio Network, and in Iowa is the location, a little oval action for my friends in IndyCar and Mark James, who's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Have you ever been to a high V? I have indeed in my trips to Iowa, and uh, not only is is it a wonderful place, uh, but uh, certainly a a valued supporter of the NTT IndyCar Series and then some. What a weekend they're putting together, have put together. Is it uh, it better than the Monrovia IGA? Ah, boy. (laughs) Is the Monrovia IGA still there? No, oh, sure. You know, oh there my are God, categories. I love, I love a good IGA. I, I mean, there's categories in which you know some some places belong in a category of their own. Yeah, the the, the, the woodchuck is kind of the woodchuck in Morgantown is kind of in a category of its own now. Yes, but yeah. once upon a time there was greatness there, but it may be past it. But you're right. Category. I love a good IGA. But no, you're right. I love what Hy-Vee does. So we talk about it. I just played this back in with Zach Brown Band. Uh, Kenny Chesney, Carrie Underwood, and Ed Sheeran all up there this weekend performing as a part of the race festivities. That's fantastic. How about uh, how about Kirk Ferentz and Caitlin Clark also making appearances? Well, honorary I, I, starters at Grand Marshals, and, and yeah, I, I mean, my gosh, uh, what what a bunch of what a bunch of A listers! I mean, and, and, and then you have hacks like me coming to town. That's awesome, though. Seriously, <laughs> does honestly does that help with you know, people coming out more eyeballs to it? Does that because that's some high level, no pun intended, high V promotion right there? Does that help the overall bottom line? I don't think there's any any question that the entertainment that they've put together. I mean, you you stop and think about uh, you know what. What that lineup? Uh, what, I mean, there there are venues in this country that would kill to have that that entertainment lineup for sure. And then you add uh, the most exciting form of racing in the world uh, for two days on top of that. Friday, if you include you know Friday's practice, and uh, I I don't know how you could be more entertained across a wide spectrum than than you could be at, at Iowa Speedway coming up this weekend. It's uh, Mark James of the IMS Radio Network, the voice of the IMS Radio Network. Now, obviously. The 500s in a category of its own, but can you make an argument that this Iowa race is the second most exciting race on the schedule with IndyCar? You know, I, I think it's 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 all in what you're looking for. I mean, I, I mean, I, those are questions that we get asked. You know, I matter of fact, when when I finish with you, I'm, I'm talking to some folks from from one of our affiliates in Iowa, and of course. They certainly feel that way, and understandably so. And in terms of level of excitement, I think you're spot on. And I think the energy with the entertainment and, and all of the other things going on uh, certainly certainly puts it near the top. But I don't know. Over the past several years especially, I, I, I just feel like each and every weekend, you know, um, there are so many positives and so much energy to each and every one of our events, no matter where they are. I mean, uh, it, it just – it, it it just feels like a big deal no matter where you are, you know, be it Barber Motorsports Park and, you know, the new event in downtown Detroit and certainly Nashville and um, I, I said Barber Motorsports Park. And, oh, by the way, we start the season at St. Petersburg and, 
you know, the list goes on and on and on. I don't want to leave anybody or any promoter out, but um, I know the crowds have been huge everywhere that we've been. I mean, I think the folks at Toronto said that, that this past weekend, you know, reminded them, the, the, the ones that have been there since it started in the mid-'80s, said it feels like the buzz is certainly back there. And given what we've been through in terms of the pandemic, uh, I, I think you got to give a huge tip of the cap to, to Penske Entertainment and, and all the various track promoters that we enjoy such a wonderful relationship with for, for bringing excitement and energy uh, each and every weekend because that's not easy to do in a very, very tough battle for the entertainment dollar in this day and age. It's uh, Mark Jaynes, friend of the show. and uh, are, are you live from Monrovia right now, too? Actually, I'm in I'm in the home of Bob, I'm, I'm in the hometown of Bob Lovell, uh, Plainfield, Indiana, in okay. the springs of Saratoga. I, I do want to tell you <laughs> what a what a good week has been for me, John, because um, my most recent new Twitter follower is the great city of Cincinnati, Indiana. Started oh, following on Twitter. Today. Wait a minute here. I don't even does Cincinnati, Indiana, even follow me. You know how many good parties <laughs> I've had in Cincinnati, Indiana. <laughs> I may, I, just, I may I have been. I had a. You would have me on soon. I wanted to share that with you. I I had a top five drunk in Cincinnati, Indiana. <laughs> that was top five drunk all time. <laughs> I mean, I embarrassed everybody outside of myself. I mean, that's Cincinnati. We call it, by the way, little. I yeah. or L I L little L-I-L. Cincinnati That's right. right there. Yeah. That's uh, obviously that is now basically where um, Eastern Green High School is. It's no longer so much in Eastern Heights as it is in Little Cincinnati, Indiana. Well, that's awesome that uh, Little Cincinnati, Indiana is following you on Twitter. Yeah, I returned the follow for sure. Had a lot of backyard pool parties right there, right across from the church. That's awesome. The, the church people were always really happy. I bet that's right. <laughs> Very happy with me, church goers. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a Mark James who's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, ex- expectations this weekend too. I get away from you know monetary hyvee and all that of Iowa and the promotion and that that factor. But where are we in the season wise and uh, uh, what's hanging in the balance, so to speak, coming up this weekend? Uh, boy, there's a ton of storylines for sure. I mean, the incredible season that Alex Pillow has put together. I mean, ran, what, the last 25 or 30 laps with the front wing of that car all but falling off and, and still managed to get a second-place finish and has a massive lead to the championship. But uh, Joseph Newgarden is one of those guys in, in hot pursuit, I think, still with an outside chance, especially the fact you've got double points up for grabs this weekend. And I think I saw a stat earlier this week, and my apologies because I don't remember who posted it, but I think Joseph Dugarden has led more laps at Iowa Speedway than the rest of the field combined. So it only stands to reason that he's a favorite this weekend. Uh, Scott Dixon's led a lot of laps there, not one there, one of the few tracks that he's not won on. Um, And, you know, I think we've reached the point in the season where – Guys are driving for their for futures, not only with their current team, but perhaps with another team. And I, and I really think by the time we get to St. Petersburg in 2024, uh, more than half the roster is going to look. You know, the teams are going to look half vastly different uh, than than they look this year. And there's also leader circles, buddy. The top 22 uh, get that, and uh, you know, there's some full time teams that are on the outside of that looking in, and so. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's plenty of stories to follow for sure, and um, and one of them is uh, 
is uh, will 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 Alex below a blink at any point? I, I would say that if if Lady Luck um, has ever smiled on anybody, she smiled on him last weekend, and uh, and I'm sure he hopes that she continues to to do so. I'm just uh, waiting for the opportunity for Will Power to flip the double bird to Lady Luck one of these days. <laughs> well, Will's one of them. Give, hey, to give you an idea of just how difficult it is to win in this series and what Fallot was doing is is really – I mean, last year, you know, Will won the championship. He only won one race, which uh, I really thought that that's the kind of season that we would have again this year. But, you know, he's he's yet to get to victory lane, and I'm sure he'd like to change that. And so uh, I'm telling you, it's tough. Week in and week out, it is tough. And, and what Fallot has done has just been absolutely amazing. But uh, – you know, fortunes can turn on a dime for him, that's for sure. And I'm sure those that are chasing him, like, uh, you know, Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgard and even Erickson, even Pato Award, those guys are, are maybe hoping that those uh, those fortunes change a little bit for, for Pelot this weekend. Every time Will Power gives somebody the finger, I have to explain to people that it's flip and not flick. Why do so many people think it's flick? Do we know? Why is that? No, I'm not sure. Why should I have to explain that every time Will Power flips somebody off? I mean, I think there's a whole word, there's a whole book of, of words that are misused and, and used in the wrong context right. in, in, in that regard. So uh, maybe maybe you'll get that this weekend and that discussion could come up again. I'm, I'm hopeful that that happens for you. There's maybe a lo- not for me, but I'm hopeful that that happens for you. Buddy, if it does, you know you got some drama to be describing yeah. to everybody. So that, that part is is good. Hey, before I let you go, Simon Pagano, I mean, that was like the the wreck, uh, the, the toughest thing I've ever seen, wreck-wise. I, I don't know if I should even describe it as such, but it was bad uh, over a month ago. Um, he has yet to return to his car. Um, should we be concerned? I mean, he walked away and everything seemed okay at that moment, but should we be concerned about this? Well, the first thing, a couple of things that it revealed again, or I shouldn't say revealed, but it just reaffirmed. Uh, the, the AMR IndyCar safety team. No question. The absolute best in the business. And it also uh, confirmed that uh, bet- between, you know, the, the, the NTT IndyCar series, the technical side, and, and the amazing folks at Delara, the chassis manufacturer, uh, they have uh, obviously uh, created an incredible amount of protection uh, for these drivers, and all are to be commended for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, I, I think, you know, it's understandable because when you're talking about a racetrack that's about three-quarters of a mile in, in length and it's uh, it banks at 12 to 14 degrees and, you know, they're going to be turning laps in the 150-mile-an-hour range, if not more. I think, you know, I think it only makes sense to to make sure uh, that he is he is free and clear of, of any danger, uh, especially considering they're going to have to do it not once but twice. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he's fully supportive of the decision, obviously, and I know he's got a lot of fans out there that hope that he gets back real, real soon. But uh, I think as we have seen in all forms of sports, John, moving forward, uh, they're going to err on the side of caution with these head injuries, and and I would say that that approach is long, long overdue. It's I'm a I'm a big fan of his too, so that's yep. what I'm I'm hoping for as well. Hey, um, how are things going in Monrovia? Uh, we're getting ready to go back. I think August seventh and eighth of the staff days. You and believe we, you got to uh, go back that early? You know what? There's uh, no way that, that Neil Neil Watson and Doug Cook did not go back that early in 1988. You know, I don't think they did. Um, I think we went back a little later. But, you know, John, I, I look forward to going back every year. I've, I've got great kids, and, 
and then we've got a great school system out there. And um, I just, uh, there's never been a time when summer rolled around the end of it. And I said, you know, man, I don't want to go back. Now, part of that's because high school football is just around the corner. And you know how I feel about that. No doubt. Uh, you know, big part of my life, big part of my family. And my son has uh, moved on from Speedway. He's now coaching defensive backs of Ben Davis. So we're going to look forward to, to Coach Man's first year with the Ben Davis Giants. Nice. See what they can do. Um, they, they they softened up their schedule a little bit. They picked up IMG Academy and Cincinnati Molar. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. yeah. couple of soft weeks for the Ben Davis Giants in addition to playing that big conference schedule. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Coach Olson will have the Bulldogs rolling. We're sure, and we're excited about football, no doubt about it. All right, now is Monrovia still a natural rival of Emnitz? Uh, well, the scores do not indicate that, John, but uh, there's a healthy respect there for the two communities, that's for sure. I mean, I mean once uh, upon a time that was like, uh, it was like IU and Purdue, right? In that uh, area? It was, it, it, no, no, it was crazy. And I mean, back in the days when they used to, you know, the smaller counties in the state of Indiana would keep track of the leading scores in the county. Those two, you oh, know, yeah. uh, would, would always have the top two scores in the county. And, and I'm telling you, they played twice a year. It was a home and home. But if you didn't get there during the JV game, you had a hard time finding a seat. But uh, no, it's still a healthy rivalry. Uh, there's there's great kids, great people out at Eminence, and, uh, and 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 we enjoy competing with them in a in a variety of sports. For sure. uh, I remember it well in 1985 with Ed Webb at six foot five and his grape smugglers trying to post me up as a sophomore right there. I was going to have none of it, none of it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days playing in my head right now. <laughs> I was, I was, I was doing the finger wag wave before Dikembe Mutombo did it. No, no, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Not in here. All right, what time you guys hit the air on Saturday, brother? Uh, well, we're actually, you know, we'll we'll have the uh, we'll have the practice session uh, Friday afternoon. Okay. We actually get there early enough to get a chance to visit with the drivers. But uh, two fifteen Eastern, we'll have Indy next practice action. Then at three thirty, uh, we'll have the IndyCar practice session. Then we'll be out all throughout the day, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but you know, all, all the qualifying shows and, and and races and whatnot. And you can uh, you can join us uh, uh, on our on our proud flagship. Right where you are, brother. Hey, man, bring back some high V fried chicken from the deli. I want to see how that tastes, okay? Now, from what I understand, uh, Michael Young always brings back, I, I guess they have like really good blue cheese crumbles or something out there. And Mike, Michael is a blue cheese crumble. Track Dude is a blue cheese crumble connoisseur. So I'm, I'm anticipating he's going to try to find a way to bring back some blue cheese crumbles. Well, just may, yeah, ask him for me, if you would, to bring back some from fried chicken from the deli. But I, I just want, I like want breast. I don't want. I don't want drumsticks or anything like that. Just give me a couple of good solid breasts right there no, from the deli. No, no chicken, no chicken fingers or chicken strips or anything. No, like I don't that. want poppers or yeah, popcorn chicken. Just give me the real deal. I want to taste the real fried chicken from the deli of High V. Make sure he knows. We'll see, what, we'll see what we can do. Thank you, buddy. Safe travels. All right. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, back-to-back weeks from the Indy Star, and nobody covers high school stuff like our friend Kyle Nedrip, again, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Do we call... You know, a dude going to overtime elite and another dude going to La Lamere. Are these high school defections? 
I think so. That's probably that's probably a good way to put it. I mean, it's a it's a uh, IHSAA uh, defection, I guess. I mean, they're still technically playing high school basketball, right. just just not uh, not under the state umbrella anymore. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, this one's a little was a little surprising from a standpoint of uh, you know Jalen that played with uh, Fishers through June, and I. I kind of thought if he did go, it would be next year because he does have two years of high school left. Uh, but uh, obviously decided to do it now and, uh, you know, going to Lollamere where, you know, as we know, that, that name has become uh, more prevalent in high school basketball in the last uh, probably 10 to 12 years than it was previously. And uh, he's following uh, in those footsteps of some of those players like Jaron Jackson Jr. who have gone and played at Lollamere. Now, are they getting paid? To do that, because obviously catching's overtime elite. There's there's payment involved there, right? You're going to get something. Well, I mean, you're you have an opportunity to, to earn nil, like in in Cannon's case, you know, right. overtime elite. Like you know, you when it originally started, it was sort of a thing where you know you go down there, you sign for a hundred thousand, you become a pro right away. Now they have sort of this, you know, because of nil, you can go to overtime elite. Um, you know, go on basically on scholarship. And you have an opportunity to earn NIL money um, and maintain your college eligibility. Uh, so that's a possibility. Uh, but as far as like signing to go pro, that's not, you know, they, they, you can do that at Overtime Elite, but that's not uh, the only thing uh, available to you there now. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you have a, you have NIL opportunities that, you know, under the, uh, the uh, state association rules aren't uh, there for you, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this one's more, you know, with Harrelson and catchings, I think really it's, it's, uh, you know, they're two separate situations, but, you know, talking to people, you know, today and, and, uh, and last week, really, it's, it's sort of one of those things where, you know, this is probably the reality of where we are with, with high school basketball anymore, where, you know, I don't think every five-star athlete's going to go to prep school, but, you know, there are opportunities all over, you know, in the summer when they're playing, you know, a lot of these prep schools are talking to them and, and, and recruiting them basically kind of like a college would. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, you go down the list of top 50 players in in the state or in the, uh, not the state, but the country, you know, a lot of those guys are playing um, some sort of prep school opportunity. So it's just kind of where we're at now. And, and to lose two in a week seems like, you know, oh man, this is a, uh, you know, it's a lot. It, it is. And those two are, super talented players who I think will be NBA players eventually. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it seems like a lot just cause you know, we talked six days ago about this and uh, you know, to lose another one, it's uh, it seems pretty dramatic right now. Now I, I asked you last week, Kyle Nedrup is joining us via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. If Brownsburg were prepared for that with catchings and you said that they were prepared for it was, was Fisher's prepared? I don't think, quite as much to, to i think i think they were prepared for it to happen next year <laughs> so you know okay. i think the, the i think the timing of it um it was surprising you know i'll say that you know just from you know and i know garrett weininger I talked to him you know quoted him in the story and you know he was uh you know he, he i will I mean, in both cases i think both coaches are, are definitely in the corner of these kids and they understand the opportunities presented to them uh, and I know, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, catchings and, and Steve Lynch last week, and he obviously had great things to say about Cannon. It's kind of the same way here. Uh, and you won't hear any, you know, I mean, Jalen's about as humble uh, a kid as they come, and, and, and everyone likes him. And, 
you know, so it's nothing uh, against Jalen at all. I think just the the timing of it might have caught them a little bit off guard, but I think the the general sense of uh, him having these opportunities is not surprising whatsoever. Uh, so, you know, I, I think they probably, because he did play with them through June, and, and, you know, they had a lot of success through June and, and were set up to have a really good season, probably still are, uh, even without him. But you lose a guy like that, obviously – you're uh you take on a, l- a little bit of a blow uh a lot a lot blow so it, it it's hard to replace a guy like that you can't do it um but yeah i would say i think the fact that he's going to prep school not a huge surprise the fact that he's going now is is a little bit of a surprise well you go to overtime elite and i'm assuming you can make that jump like we saw with those thompson twins right you can make that jump whereas with with lalamere how, how's that work you, you can't and i guess what i'm trying to ask you is what what was I guess we know the benefit for catchings. What's the benefit here with with two years remaining for Harrelson? Well, they're going so, uh, and I think this happened in late in 2021. They went to play in the NIBC, which is sort of a, a, a conference of prep schools, basically. And then there's some, you know, connection for um, you know. I, basically playing in sort of a college level type of uh, I, and I'm saying this is probably the pitch to them is hey, you get to come play in uh, you know this conference where we're playing high level teams all the time we're, we're, we're preparing you for college with our uh, you know nutrition weight room all this stuff and I, I would argue that a lot of our schools here uh, to a certain extent as much as they can offer great facilities great coaching and, and, and all of those things as well um, but I think that's the pitch, I guess is what I'm saying. And I know that's kind of the, the idea is, Hey, we can travel around we can play, you know, we're not under any, any rules, any state association rules. And, and you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put you with, with players who are going to play at your level. And, you know, you know, and high schools can't say that they're not going to be able to do that to that extent anyway, uh, as far as the personnel you're playing with. Um, so I think that's the pitch. And I think going now, you know, you get two years of that, I guess, rather than just one, um, you know, so I, I, I think that's maybe what they're, they're offering, but they're playing in this NIBC, which is sort of a new conference that's affiliated with other prep schools. And I don't know, I think they have some sort of a, you know, television, uh, situation or, or whatever their broadcast situation is. Uh, you know, to put those games on. And I just know a little bit about it, not a ton. But, you know, I think that's kind of the the pitch anyway. And, you could, like I said, you could argue whether that's uh, it's going to get you there or not. I would argue Catchings and Harrelson are going to be NBA players regardless of where they go. I mean, uh, and that was going to be what I was going to say. I mean, ultimately, yeah. th- their path is going to lead them to where they want to go. So why, I guess, in this case, should it matter that change of landscape so dramatically? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I think, and you know, talking to Catching's mom last week, that's what they, you know, that's that's really the the hard decision they had to make. And I'm hoping to talk to Jalen's dad here later, but uh, you know, I don't know exactly, but I'm assuming it's kind of the same deal. I mean, you just have a lot of opportunities. And I wrote a, a follow up column. I think we'll run in the morning, but just kind of about about this uh, situation, the, these these opportunities that are out there. And as a high school basketball fan, it it hurts, you know, it's, you don't, you don't want to watch a watered down version of of high school basketball, you know, and you're losing these top guys. It it feels watered down, Uh, but it's not, 
you know, this isn't the first time it's happened. You know, Devontae Smith-Rivera went to Oak Hill Academy, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Uh, you know, there's been several guys who have left. And the, and the product has still been really good, you know. And, and, and we move on, and there's the next big thing comes along. And not all these guys are going to go, you know. It seems, like I said, it seems like a lot right now because we just had two of them. But, you know, the product is still going to be really good. But also we have to understand this is going to happen. And it's not going to happen with everybody from all indications. Flory is going to be back at Kokomo. And, you know, Trent Sisley is going to be back at, at Heritage Hills. And, you know, some of the guys down the line are still going to be in place at their respective schools. So, uh, but it does. I mean, you want to watch, you know, Fishers and Brownsburg play each other this year you'd love to see catching versus Harrelson, you know, and that's the, those are the matchups that the fans come out for, you know? So that's kind of the, that's kind of the unfortunate part of this. And, and it's not all on their shoulders to, to appeal to the, the high school basketball fans, but it does feel like something's lost when they, when they leave. And uh, certainly in this, in these two cases, uh, a great deal is lost yeah, because yeah. We, we know what kind of players they are. Yeah, maybe ultimately uh, I, others, romanticize too much about what it would be, how awesome it would be to be you know, that type of big man on campus and you know lead your your school to a, a state title. I mean, I, you know, I, I know others would not have the same feeling, not all of us the same feeling um, as as we might have. Maybe we romanticize about it too much. I, I just never really thought that that was too much to really ask. Sometimes I kind of wonder what is lost in translation, but I will tell you this. I don't know all the ultimate benefits that they would tell me that would be going on that we're completely unaware of in this case. So maybe, you know, there's an overriding and overwhelming reason as to why there's, you know, those particular defections there. But man, it, uh, it'd be hard pressed to want to give, you know, those, those opportunities up to go to, you know, one of these basketball factories, but yeah, and I think uh, I think if you ask Marcus Burton, who had a chance to go to Lalamere last year, he ended up staying at Penn. You know, he wins Mr. Basketball and, and everything, you know, on the surface, you know, and from talking to him, it worked out great, you know. So, how did it work not, out for Paul Scruggs? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to ask Paul. I mean, is he still like, playing? He's played in college about nine years. Is he still playing in college at Xavier? <laughs> no, he's done, he's done with college. I'm not sure where Paul's and, playing. You know now, what? And, and I hate to interrupt, but did you ever ask Smith Rivera if he were to go back and do it again, if he would make those same decisions? I had a great conversation with him probably four or five years ago about that, and and he did feel like he lost something uh, by leaving. But I, I think on the same token, he had a great experience at Oak Hill too. He he was kind of down the middle on that, you right. know, and he would have he would have had a chance to win Mr. Basketball, and he, you know, I think looking back, he he did feel like he missed out, but he also, you know, had a had a good. I think they went undefeated at Oak Hill, and he went on to Georgetown and had a good experience there. Uh, so I did. I did have that conversation with him, and, and he did admit, you know, he felt like he missed out on some some things, but also benefit, felt like he benefited some. So I think that's the thing. It's like you don't know. It, it's hard for us to sit back and, and say it's one thing that's leading kids right. to do this. It's more than it, you know, everyone's situation. I know from talking to Catching's mom last week. It's it's there's things off the floor they think he would benefit from. You know, it's not just one thing. It's it's each individual's perspective. Uh, and and we're not in those families. It's, it's, you can't know everything. So, you know, we can sit back and make judgments, and we do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but from 
I look at it from the perspective of the high school basketball fan because I am one, you know, and it's in that, in that, uh, that's a, it hurts that we lose these guys, you know, it really does. But, uh, but there's other players who now are going to get a chance. And, and uh, I guarantee by the time February, March rolls around, we're not talking about this. We're talking about, you know, who the, who the good players are. We're looking forward to watching and it's going to be packed houses everywhere. And, and it'll be good, you know. But uh, but right now, it just it does kind of it stinks that that it's happened. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I brought up. And Kyle Dendrip of the Star joins us. I, I brought up the you know maybe we as an older generation romanticize about it too much, whereas that particular generation does not see it the same way. And I'm assuming there is a lot of that that's going on there. But that's why I wanted to ask you about Smith Rivera as well because I, I brought up. Paul Scruggs is because things I mean you could have brought you know the, the ultimate to Southport with that particular group that was guided by Kyle Simpson at the time and ex- instead you kind of exchanged that for you know a, a school with you know 10 computers in a room and your legacy I mean you could build a leg I guess I look at it more that way and again maybe that's romanticizing it too much but it just seems like you can have a legacy high school wise at some of these places and you know if it doesn't go your way at Lalamere or where you go I mean even if you ultimately go to the next level you're just not going to have that history of that legacy. And it just seems like sometimes there should be a little bit more meaning behind that than I get, I think actually some give it credit to be, but no, again, this I, is I, I completely, I completely get what you're saying. And, and that uh, is very true. I think you look at what Harrelson, if he goes all four years and he, he, uh, he breaks every record. I mean, Fisher's hasn't been around long, but it's, he, he's the, he's the all time everything uh, for that school. And, and, you know, and he'll still be associated. Well, with I mean, and the, and the girls, so. there were, their girls were in the state finals in four a right mm-hmm. this past year. I mean, you could go yeah, girls and boys up there. could be a, a juggernaut. And I, I don't know. I think, I guess, Kyle, as much as we can look at it as these would be the benefits for us, for example, they probably could tell us what individually the benefits could be for them. Yeah, and I think they don't know either right now. You know, you're kind of going into it where you don't know for sure, but you've got to choose one path or the other, and you can't. You don't have the benefit of kind of doing both. For you have to do. You know, if you're going to do it, you got to do it, and and that's what they're doing. And, and you know, I, I you know, Jalen Harrelson's about as he, he's great to talk to. You know, I, I can't wish him more uh, luck than I. You know, I, I hope he does great and everything goes great for him to be. You know, I, I really do, uh, and he's a great player. You know, so and Cannon is too. Uh, but yeah, I don't think anybody knows for sure. And what would have happened if they would stay compared to what we'll never know that for sure. But, but yeah, you do give up, you give up a lot. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's the part of that where you have to weigh it and judge, you know, what you're giving up. Is it worth it? And, you know, in their cases, they decided it was, and, and we'll never know for sure if they, if right or wrong or indifferent, but, uh, but this is the path they chose, and they won't be the last ones either. I think no. we'll, we'll see we'll see more of this. It's uh, Kyle Nettenrip of the Star via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I didn't want to shift gears, and because I know a couple that I think are going to be in their final seasons, and we we talked about the lack of officials, you know, moving forward here in in high school basketball circles here. How is the the amount of officials officiating going? The bodies they have in terms of, of football, where are they right now compared to where they want to be? 
I know it's a it's a concern of the uh, the high the coaches. Uh, I put out a you know kind of a, a poll uh, here in the last couple of weeks and getting some of the feedback back from the coaches, and I know that's something that comes up. You know, kind of I asked the question, kind of what what do you, what concerns you, and I think officiating is number one. You know, not the quality of officiating, but just the the amount of officials that that uh, are out there doing the games, and this is something that's kind of been a front burner uh, topic, and especially when COVID happened, and there were some crews that you know just didn't uh, participate that year, and then I think you know guys who didn't come back, you know, to to referee. Um, so yeah, I think I think right now, I mean, I think they're not to the point of uh, of canceling games or or anything like that. But there does come a critical mass. I know that's something the IHSA's talked about, and they're 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 doing what they can to you know. I know they're they've been out at state events, uh, recruiting officials in, in in multiple sports, and and that's kind of become a, a big topic for them as well uh, to try to get more officials involved and. Not only that, but I think it's retention of officials. You know, you'll 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 get a lot who sign up to do it and may do it for a while, but can you keep them involved in it longer than a couple of years? And that's kind of been a problem as well. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's uh you know I I don't know if football is is as quite as bad or not not bad as maybe as quite a critical mass as like uh, uh, baseball. You know, I know baseball's had trouble. Um, you know, getting enough umpires and. And having to postpone games, especially at the uh, at the non varsity levels, a lot of times. So, uh, you know, I think that's that's been the sport that's maybe been hurt a little bit more even than football. But football, you're talking about a, a larger number, and you know, there's less games, but they're all on one night basically. So that got, kind of spreads you thin also. So yeah, it's it's definitely an issue, and it's something that you know I think everyone's talking about, which is which is good. I think ten years ago we probably weren't talking about it enough now it's now it's something that's out there and people know it's a problem and i think uh you know that awareness i think is, is probably helped a little bit here in the last year or two i don't know if it was this way for you in nebraska but for me growing up in green county we were a missing umpire away from some old guy in jeans running out there and uh calling balls and strikes it never really mattered to us <laughs> no i mean yeah i didn't think about it. yeah you didn't even think about it back then and uh and now it's like man i mean I know my, my older son's been doing. Uh, he did some basketball this year, and and I went out and watched a couple of games, and you know, and then luckily he stayed out of the out of the uh, the coach's way, you know, as far as them getting on to him. But uh, but yeah, man, watching the game from that perspective is you watching your kid do a referee a game, and man, that's a totally different. Uh, I did not. I did not know what that would be like, and it was a little bit weird. But, we had umpires uh, take cigarette breaks between innings, like when we warmed up and you know did some quick on the field stuff. Uh, they would smoke cigarettes. Oh yeah, well I remember back in uh, you know out at, half, at halftime of basketball games, they'd be out in the hallways smoking. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> That's they gave. They don't offer pass outs anymore, do they? I don't think those are pass outs. No, you just go stand in the uh, you know in the doorway there in the uh, where you're kind of outside, but not really. So I always thought that like leather and cigarette smoke was a cologne that we used at Eastern, but it was just <laughs> like the entryway there where everybody smoked cigarettes when it was too cold. Hey, I did want to ask you one more thing before I let you go. In terms of the how should I put this the uh, the uh, dip crappery that we see from from parents and fans often too much would the ihsaa right now say that that is still on the rise 
has it leveled off? Is it in a decline? Where would they be with the the order of those those parents and fans sometimes getting out of at games right now? Yeah, I mean, that's something – actually, I was at a uh, Marion County Athletic Director meeting earlier this morning, and uh, and Paul Nightig stopped through, and he, he brought up uh, – you know, he's talking about sportsmanship, not necessarily with fans, but uh, kind of their yearly talk about, you know, sportsmanship and, and, you know, meaning more for coaches and players. But I know fan behavior is, is at top of the – you know, we talk about officials. I think fan behavior might be right there with it as far as, you know, things that they talk about often and – uh, you know, you see the signs out and things like that. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that it's been any worse. I mean, it's kind of anecdotally from the games that I cover. I don't see a, you know, I don't see a ton of it, you know, other than just hearing the, you know, hearing some things and, and occasionally you'll see something that's, you know, slightly out of control. I don't see a ton of it though. And, and I know it's kind of case to case, but uh, they do document those. And now, you know, if a, if a fan gets, gets kicked out of a game he's not supposed to come back here she's not supposed to come back uh for another game um you know how you can monitor that i'm not exactly sure but uh that's supposed to be you know supposed to stem some of some of the uh the behavior that you might have that could be coming from the same person sometimes so uh, i know again it's something that they're aware of and, and working on but I always think, too, it's hard for, you know, this, the individual schools have so much going on. You know, it's hard to put that on a, an AD or assistant AD to, hey, you got to control uh, uh, Mr. Smith up there in the bleachers, too. I mean, at some point it's got to be, you know, uh, personal behavior. You just have to be accountable for yourself. And, and, you know, if not, I guess then you are uh, banned for, for whatever period of time. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's something that's definitely out there, too. But, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't see a ton of that, and hopefully, I hopefully that continues. But you know, you see, you cover enough games, you're going to see some, yeah, some bad things time to time for sure. All right, what are you writing about, Kyle? Uh, like I said, I've got a kind of a follow up on this on the Harrelson and, and catchings and the prep school uh, thing coming tomorrow morning, and then uh, lots of football. I was down at uh, Center Grove last night. I got a, a story coming on them pretty soon on uh, kind of their their drive for fourth straight the uh, 6a championship and uh what, what do you, th- what do you think about there. the university of center grove well i, t- I was out at their bantam league uh, camp last night and you talk <laughs> about a oh my goodness i mean that is a that is something else entirely it's it's i knew that was there i'd seen it from the road before but uh yeah, no wonder they make me pl- pay money to like play pickup games there so they can uh, build <laughs> and tear down the steps like nine or nine or ten different times to get inside the natatorium there Oh man, yeah that that uh, you know that that system they have there with the the youth program is really uh, really good and and obviously that a lot goes to uh, you know the the tradition they have there and the success you have but it also it's a lot of manpower and it's a lot of uh, you know sweat you know put into that so you've been in that yeah. natatorium have you been in that natatorium oh yeah 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 and their new I didn't uh, even know they had swimming there I had no idea yeah the and new they indoor, do. Uh, track and, and facility there is unbelievable too Ooh, the sack yeah the sack <laughs> the sack sucks to play basketball in nobody you wouldn't want to play hoop in the sack <laughs> the sack the sack sucks every thursday night but i think they've like uh they've built and then torn down and now they're building again the steps leading up to the natatorium so i'm assuming that's where that's where my court rental fees go right there is to do that i'm proud to do it because i gotta play gotta play somewhere 
Well, I'm proud of you. You're still playing. That's something else. Yeah, and I get screwed at Southport because the uh, baseball coach and, and friend of this show, uh, Dudas, Coach Dudas, uh, is uh, big time into wiffle ball. And these guys got to go around to tournaments and completely hose me on Sunday mornings. So I got to find oh, games right. here or there. Yeah. Coach Dudas is awesome, by the way, too. If you've never met him, baseball coach at Southport, he is yeah. fantastic. Up and comer right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I know he's a wiffle ball guy. That's, and this is the only good. time I'll ever call him Coach Dudas, too. <laughs> <laughs> No, he is a wiffle ball guy. He's got a field. I don't know if you've seen that Doyle yeah. story that behind his yeah. house over there off of Epler. He's got a field, so it's really Unbelievable. cool. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great dude. Yeah. Great dude. All right. Hey, job well done as always, and uh, we'll read those lead-ups, obviously, to the start of the football season, man. Thanks, Kyle. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, he's very proud to be brought on board. Rockin' like Doc and Tom Deanhart at Golden Black Illustrated. Tommy D, hello. Hey, John. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, appreciate that intro music. Uh, always brings back a lot of good memories, and yeah, we talk about grocery stores. I'm always pining for the old Marshes. Remember Marsh? We value you. Oh, yeah. They just screwed that whole thing up. That was a great one. They had a great one down by me. I mean, and I like the old buildings that said uh, beer, wine, and spirits right under the Marsh name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That was good, too. But, yeah, yeah, it's fun, the old grocery stores. West Lafayette had a bunch called Smitty's, one of a real super hyper-local uh, Local grocery stores, so yeah, everything, every, like like everything else in life, there there's fewer right. of it, and, and and what's left is bigger. I love IGAs. Bedford, Indiana has a great IGA, great one, um, and. I, I hear from people all the time in and around Evansville, and certainly across Southern Illinois and in and around the St. Louis area, love their schnucks. Yeah, yeah, you know, so so, and, and you said yeah, St. Louis has schnucks and Deerbergs, the big two, and. And, and, and there was actually high D in Indianapolis. Um, I had heard that there was going to be one built in and around Zionsville, but nobody has confirmed this to me yet. Normally, listening audiences on top of it, but they have, I, I think, some head up rear end syndrome going on here today. I don't know why. Because high V's by Kansas City, Minnesota. Yeah, sort of that area. So that's interesting. Well, they would move into uh, moving to Naptown. They, there. Tommy D, are a big sponsor in IndyCar and actually sponsoring the Iowa race that's coming up this weekend yeah. up in Iowa. And in fact, drop a lot of cash because they are. And believe me, don't get me wrong. I love Carb Day. I love Brian Adams and Soul Asylum and Perner and all. That's great. But they're they're bringing up to Iowa, get ready for this. Um, Kenny Chesney, Zach Brown <laughs> Band, Kerry Underwood, and Ed Sheeran. Whoa. Yeah, so they're sinking a lot of money in that. And I love me some Brian Adams. I'm assuming that that group probably is a little more expensive than the Carb Day extravaganza here. I'm just guessing it. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. So, yeah, the grocery store uh, grocery store expansions. The other one I remember from my childhood in Lafayette was one called Eisner. Oh, we'll see Eisner's in and around the uh, Chicago area right there. Yeah, because because they became – and then they became Jewels, which is, of course, Chicago – 
and are, then all the and then all the Osco drugstores were with them. A smiling Smitty's, according to our resident yeah, West it. Lafayette person, uh, executive producer Todd Meyer. Smiling he's Smitty's. A, he's exactly right. Smiling Smitty's. There's one right there on Northwestern. There's one on the Levee. There's one out of Purdue West. So yes, yeah, Smitty's. Smiling Smitty's. Mm. Correct on the memory for yeah. Todd, uh, Todd Todd Meyer and I should let him do this one of these days because he's big time Purdue guy. I should let him sit down here and just have you guys talk for the segment. You know, and one one last kind of drugstore memory. I mentioned Osco. The other big one was Hooks. Remember Hooks? Oh yeah, oh uh, well, yeah. We value you. No, that's Marsh. I'm sorry, that was Marsh. Hooks was. We like to see you smile. We like to see you smile. Was their tagline? That was all over. I'm sure in Indianapolis. I was. I was Hooks. I was Hague Drugstore, and when I went to Indiana State, they had a fantastic Farmore over there. Farmore. I remember. I heard about Farmore. I don't think they had any of those in Lafayette, but yeah, I heard of Farmore. Bloomington had Eisner, which was renamed to Jewel, which is known by today. Jewel and Osco come together. You'd go for the groceries to Jewel, and then you'd go next door to get the brown water from Osco. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, West Lafayette still has a Payless. Yeah, which right. Which has been around forever. Payless is just Kroger's. It's a Kroger, yeah. I think it's uh, yeah, Kroger's cut a couple of offshoots. I think there's a uh, J.C. food store in Odin, Indiana, that's uh, basically a very small version of Kroger. Yeah. Well, it's ruining it all now, though, is you got Target selling groceries, you got Walmart selling groceries, killing these places. Telling you. Hey, by the way, confirmed, Hy-Vee is coming to Indiana. Also confirmed, four more market districts. Fishers, Noblesville is getting a Hy-Vee off of 136 in Olio, according to Nathaniel. Jay was the update on the four more. And then um, I think it was Jake Query of our morning show, friend of this show, uh, new Zionsville store. This was last January. Uh, not only is Hy-Vee fantastic, this is from Jake, but there's a store coming in the Zionsville area. So, yeah. Not bad. You guys, you guys are breaking news there, John. I'm telling you, we are the foremost authority in terms of grocery stores around here. We got, we got you covered right here. Old school and new school. Well, you're the authority on everything Purdue. I want to do a little football and a little basketball. Let's start with Purdue as far as the renovations of Ross Age Stadium are concerned. How are things going? Yeah, you know, last time I talked to Mike Bobinski, he says all systems go. It's going to be done on time a lot of people wringing their hands but again i'm just passing along he's told me again multiple times as a matter of fact that uh, they're on schedule 45 million dollar renovation and i've got a peek at it a few times from my vantage point we can peer around the cranes but south end zone is going to be totally overhauled and that tiller tunnel there in sort of the northeast corner it's going to be kind of cool john to see how that all comes together when it's actually done here september 2nd and they take the lid off that place against Fresno State. Is that just going to look like a just a complete complex right there now? Is that what they're trying to transition that into? The south end zone is going to be with the, they move the band down there, and it's going to be incorporated in the design, sort of a cow catcher, you know, the front of a, of a, of a locomotive train. Wink, wink, you get it, right? So that, that, yeah. that'll be kind of a cool little touch, if you will. And there's going to be some party zones for people, some standing areas. And you're actually not going to be able to walk the entire perimeter of the stadium where before you couldn't. You know, you just kind of went from, from one goal on to the next in a big U-shape. And now it's going to be totally connected where you can walk a total circle around Rossage Stadium. And then the, I guess the third big element, John, is going to be a sports and nutrition center where the athletes will eat 
uh, in the north end zone. That's being built and adjacent to the football complex, but that will not be finished um, for the season, but it doesn't really obviously impact games. Yeah, well, that sounds – we all need a good sports and nutrition center, oh, don't we? Boy, to go back to days where you grab a trace and civil and walk through a line and pick stuff out and get it slopped on a dish – well, I'd, I'd go back to that in a second. Well, they wouldn't allow me to eat a block of cheese at 1 a.m., would they? <laughs> They'd give you the keys at the place. <laughs> Here's this block of cheese you've been wanting right here. Go get it. Uh, Ryan Walters, how smoothly, if you want to call it that, have things been going here? Because we are approaching here, uh, really dead red, start of the season, not too long, not too far away. How are things going from your vantage point? Honeymoon is still raging, John. Still raging, man. The bride still looks beautiful. All things are possible. Sky's the limit. Recruiting's going real well. So um, you know how it goes. Um, Everything's great. But he he has been um, a good guy to work with, I will say that. I'm sure you've spoken with him or others at your station. Very accessible. Very, very candid and um, just young and energetic. He's 37 years old. Hey, and I, and I know I know you're sitting down, but think about this. He was born in 1986. That's incredible. That. <laughs> and a lot of the staff is young, too, so they've had a real connection to the recruits. But I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how this is going to work. Nobody does. They're lying if they say they do, obviously. A guy who's, who's, uh, who's got all the, uh, the, the apparent earmarkings to be a, a good head coach, but he's never done it before, and, and the staff is young, and here we go. This is a heck of a venue, heck of a stage to, to become a, a head football coach. But Purdue Zig and everybody's ag, didn't it? I mean, they hired a young guy who's from the defensive side of the ball. And good for Purdue because I think if you're a program like the Boilermakers, you get you got to try to do something different, right? Yeah, it's, uh, Tom Deanhart at Golden Black Illustrated is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You've been around that thing for such a long time. I do feel compelled to ask, did you have similar feelings on other coaching hires of the past? And obviously we know those that worked out and then those that didn't work out. I don't know. You know, it's been a it's such a mixed bag for that program over the years. Um uh, you know, I, I think just more of a recent vintage Jeff Brom, I think, obviously came with some more proven coaching chops, um, more of a proven commodity, if you will, from Western Kentucky. But then you look at Danny Hope and Daryl Hazel. I mean, two big question mark hires, I think. Two guys who didn't work out for different reasons. And then, uh, you know, there, there were even doubts about Joe Tiller, I'll be honest with you. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't know, number one, if that offense was going to work in the Big Ten. Remember that? The basketball. Well, it was almost – if I remember accurately, there was – I thought there was more excitement around the, the what could be with Danny Hope and the what could be with Daryl Hazel than there was with the hiring of Joe Tiller back then. Yeah, I mean, Initially. Hope, yeah, you know, Danny Hope had a little bit of shine to him because, of course, he was part of those Tiller programs as the offensive line coach. It went off and just so some modest success at Eastern Kentucky. And then, of course, Hazel was, uh, you know, a, a, a protege of Jim Trestles, right? And had, had, a, had a lot of success at Kent State in, in a couple of years. So, yeah, there, there may have actually been a little bit more of a glow to those two when they got hired. Joe Tiller was older, um, not a super hot commodity. Not a sexy hire coming from Wyoming where he was highly successful. A uh, guy who'd been at Purdue before, but again, just a lot of doubt, I think, because of that offense. And it turns out, as we all know, and looking over our shoulders in history, 
uh, what he did offensively really helped sort of change the course of how a lot of offensive football has been played in the Big Ten since. Man, no doubt about that. Tom Dean Hardick, the Black Illustrator, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I'm going to ask you this before we know too much. I guess we'll start, even though he's a defensive, uh, more lean head coach, I do want to start with the offense and what you expect from that group and what do you expect to see out of the gate? Or, or do you have anything? Is there is there kind of a, a great mystery, a cloud of mystery somewhat going on here? I think of the two sides, two sides of the ball, I think the offense is the one I've got the most confidence in coming out of the gate. I think the personnel uh, across the board, there's a little bit more proven. Um, the running backs, quarterbacks, I don't want to go over the depth chart with you, but again, I think the offense has a chance to be pretty good coming out. Now, the, the biggest question, is, it may sound funny after I say this, is the, I think it's the offensive line, but I think they got enough there to figure things out. And of course, remember, Graham Harrell's going to push the buttons he of Texas Tech fame, air raid-based offense. So I think they have enough to make this thing click. The big key is going to be, I think, keeping Hudson Card healthy, the, the, the Texas transfer quarterback. Defensively, you know, I don't know. I think there's more questions over there, John. Uh, but remember, that's the bailiwick of Ryan Walters. He yeah. ran that five-man front at, at, at Illinois to great success. And and uh, we'll see if he can, he can mimic that magic in West Lafayette. You know, it, it's, it's weird how – and I, we'll, we can come up with a, a myriad of examples, and, and certainly Tony Dungy here was one, and how oftentimes it works out to where your specific lean offense or defense or your forte does not turn out to be your strong suit as a head coach with your team. How often that goes the opposite direction has always been very interesting to me. Yeah, well, we'll see. Like I said, maybe, maybe this ends up being a – what it traditionally always has been an, an offensive-centric program for, for, for generations, for forever, honestly. British football has, has been all about the quarterbacks, all about the offense. You typically have to outscore teams if you wanted to win games, right? But he's not going to win a lot of games 14 to 10. If they're going to be good. They're going to have to probably beat you 35 to 28 and try to beat you with a better offense and an elite quarterback. So who knows? Like you said, may, may, maybe uh, – that, that continues to be the script, but I think the hope from the administration here is Ryan Walters can improve the talent on both sides of the ball, maybe take that defense up a couple of notches. Yeah, it's interesting, too, and Tom Deanhart joins us talking Boilermakers from Golden Black Illustrated. You brought up the OC, Graham Harrell. I remember having him on this show. We were talking to Michael Pittman Jr., who was a part of his offense back at, at USC when the oh. Colts drafted Michael Pittman Jr. Where, where is Graham Harrell um, as far as the level of his career right now, going into this year number one as OC in West Lafayette, still ascending. You know, he, he he's already done quite a bit for a young coach. Seems like he was just in love with throwing passes for Mike Leach, doesn't it? That was like 2008 right. when they had that great year that he was the quarterback. They beat Texas. You know, he's already been. You talked about OC at USC, right? That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, chunk on your resume. He began his career, I know, coaching at. At Washington State with Mike Leach, Purdue hired him from West Virginia, where he was the offensive coordinator. So he's sort of a guy that seems to be, you know, continuing to move up the ranks. And I tell you what, he's getting paid handsomely, John. He signed a three-year contract, and if he's around for the third year of that contract in 2025, he'll make one million dollars, and he'll become the first Purdue assistant coach ever to be paid a million dollars. And just for from for some context here. This year alone, Ohio State's going to have five assists. 
that. Yeah. So he'd be the first one ever, huh? To make yeah, a meal? And, that's, and, and that, that, that'd be the third year into the deal if you make it. So, again, that's... Let me tell you how far that goes in Lafayette, Indiana, by the way, too. I'm going to ask Todd Meyer because that dude made a million dollars years ago. We'll ask him. <laughs> if you, if it, he would be owning a couple of Smitty's franchises. <laughs> yes, he would. Yes, he would. <laughs> but I, I just... It, it is weird where... I, I guess the reason why I bring up Graham Harrell is I would have expected... There and I think others would have said the same thing. Maybe to see more of a a solidified head coaching type of situation at this point in his career. Is it still way too early to make that call? Possibly. I'm trying to think how old he is. Is he? Uh, he's that was 2000. He's probably about Ryan, 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 Ryan Walter's age. I'm thinking probably about mid 30s or so. So maybe I think maybe he's still kind of working his way up that that chain yeah. and I tell you what this is going to be another he's 38 him, right? 38 years 38. old yeah and I said Ryan Walters was 37 he was born in 86 Graham Harrell was probably an 87 baby but yeah this is going to be a great platform right um, things weren't great at West Virginia last year I'm not going to kid anybody he, he worked for Neil Brown and, and Neil Brown's on the hot seat in Morgantown and that offense wasn't great right he gets to go to Purdue now work reset the deck if you will work on a higher or a larger stage. And, you know, he's got his quarterback, too, John. I, I reported pretty extensively and done some stories on their, their on, on Purdue's pursuit of, of, of Hudson Carr. And the first thing Ryan Walters did when he was hired was go to Texas and try to get Hudson Carr. He picked up Graham Harrell, who was recruiting in Texas for West Virginia at the time, hired him, threw him a Purdue shirt, and said, look, kid, we're going to go to Austin and try to go get Graham uh, uh, Hudson card. So they wanted this kid bad. They got him. And, again, this is a chance for Graham Harrell to show his stuff, to, to develop Hudson card and try to make Purdue a winner. Yeah. And what, um, what do you think the level at quarterback is for Hudson card? Well, I, all I've got to go on is, is the little bit of spring ball we got to watch. which wasn't much. And then just uh, talking to players and staffers. And to a man, there wasn't one negative word uttered about Hudson Card all spring, be it on the field or off the field. Uh, so there's been a lot of effusive praise for the kid. And I've talked to him for an extended period of time for a story I'm going to be writing in early August here. And he's, he comes off as a very good young man as well. So I think he could be um, – Every bit as good as Aiden O'Connell, if not better. And Aiden O'Connell was the fourth-round pick of the of Las Vegas Raiders. So I think the ceiling's pretty high for this kid. And it's going to have to be high. And he's going to have to hit it if he wants to be any good, I think. Put up some points, certainly with yardage in mind, but also be eyeball entertaining for Boilermaker fans. That's what you expect with Graham Harrell on this offense? Yeah, I think, you know, a place like Purdue, you always got to try to be entertaining right uh if you're going to lose go down with your guns blazing as they like to say and that's going to be important and i tell you what if you if you go by the season ticket sales so far um there's a lot of interest here and a lot of intrigue I and mean, then maybe what ryan walters has cooking they've already sold i think close to forty thousand season tickets so that place could be packed this year it's a tough schedule though john you got those cross division games with ohio state and michigan 
We talked about Fresno State, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse in the non-conference. Um, a lot of heavy lifting for Ryan Walters in year one. Yeah. Fresno State, I, you know, obviously you kind of look at them and you think, well, that's a game at home you, you need to win, but they can be pesky, certainly early on in a situation like this on the road, you know, against a, a Power 5 type of, of school. So, you know, what, September the 2nd, I mean, obviously that's circled there uh, to see how this thing starts out against the Bulldogs. You know, you hate to put too much emphasis on your opener, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I do that all the time around here. People are used to it. Like I must win openers here all the time. <laughs> this is a must win opener. I'm gonna go ahead and say the must win. You know, <laughs> Thank you say, very much. Thank you. Jeff Tetler is the Bulldogs coach. He's a wily veteran. He's he a is very good coach. He was Aaron Rodgers' coach at Cal. Yeah. Speaking of throwing it around the lot a little bit, yes. And you know, and look at September. There's five games in September. Four at home. Who's got to make hay in September? The one road game's at Virginia Tech, and that's Virginia Tech isn't isn't Frank Beamer Virginia Tech, but it's still tough going to Blacksburg. So again, four games out of five at home in September. I think the Bulldogs got to come out of September at least three and two. So Tom Deanhart of Golden Black Illustrated with us. I also um, we've chatted a couple of different times after Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, and obviously, uh, Boilermaker fans wanted to forget about that one immediately. But how has this offseason been for Painter and company, according to your assessment, to this point in West Lafayette? A lot of excitement. They got one of your Valley guys coming in, Lance Jones, to help them at guard. Injection well, Valley up. flavor right there, yes. Valley flavor. SIU Carbonell. Of course, big freshman's another Naptown guy, right? Roosevelt Coben's son. So Miles Colvin's coming in, and uh, that, that, that's got people jacked up. Of course, everybody's focused on Zach E and what he was going to do. And when Zach E decided to come back, well, you know, last year was, was forgotten quickly. And and now, of course, great expectations loom again, right? This is going to be a preseason top five team. In August, they head off to Europe to play, I think, four games, Slovakia, Austria, Germany, Italy. So a chance to bond a little bit. Zach E won't be with them on that trip, John. He's going to be with the – Team Canada playing in the world. That's a good squad they have right there, too. How much <laughs> clock is he going to get with that group? I'm not sure. I haven't broken down the roster, but you know, I got a good chance for him to start. Is, is that the one? Isn't that the one with uh, Jamal Murray and, and Gilgus Alexander and the professionals? Or am I, mean, I wrong? FIBA World Cup, I believe it is. Does that sound right? I, 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 I thought I thought it was Team Canada. And I thought he was on that team with with guys like that. Like and uh, O'Shea Bursett, who was a former Pacer, now a Celtic. It is Team Canada. So Zach's going to continue to to sort of, you know, sharpen his skills internationally with, with that team this summer in August. And then before you know it, we're going to look up. They're going to be practicing in October, and and it's going to be interesting to see how high Purdue is ranked in the preseason here. Uh, maybe second or third in the country, at least top five. So Michigan State and Purdue look like. Probably the teams to beat, if you believe prognosticators in this upcoming Big Ten hoop season. It's uh, Tom Deanhart with us. I was going to ask you this because I asked the similar question of IU folks uh, leading up to last year with Trace Jackson Davis, and now that Zach Eady obviously is is coming back. And my question was a year ago, you know, you, you're going to do more to to widen things, the scope of things, you know, offensively, maybe not every thing down low interior in the paint and obviously we saw with trace last year that did not happen 
would you expect anything like a little bit more of an evolution to the offensive game of Edie or because it was so good every single night, is there going to be a reason not to do that? Well, I think, you know what, the plan is to try to diversify, to play more away from the basket, to play uh, uh, Kaufman ran with Zach Edie more in concert. And, uh, again, for Zach to play maybe a little bit more away from the basket, even facing the basket. But you know how things go. Uh, when push comes to shove, but things get really testy, uh, you always kind of default back to what you do best. Right. And uh, Pretty was very effective with Zach playing that traditional back-to-the-basket type of a style. So, again, I, th- I think they do want to play a little bit more spread out and try to get up down the court a little bit more. But we'll see how they, they, they evolve here as the season progresses, especially when we get into that Big Ten play. Well, I ask you that. If I asked Painter that, he'd probably call me a dumbass for asking it. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, he would. He wouldn't mean it. He wouldn't mean it. Hey, I got to ask: Are you going to yeah. be at Big Ten Media Days at all next week? Um, next week? Do I have to wear pants? Can I just come as I am? <laughs> you can wear your you can wear your best uh, your best tank top and pair of shorts and flip flops. Oh well, if I can if I could come that way, um, I'm all for it too. So yeah, you now you're going to be a part of it, right? Yeah, I'll be there. You can wear your John Deere hat or. Uh, some other good uh, pesticide. Uh, uh, I've got it. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I don't wear long pants in the summertime like this, certainly. And uh, it is it is basketball shorts. The other day, my friend Jeffrey Gorman, the Gorman, does cult stuff. This was yesterday, matter of fact. And uh, the Jim Irsay collection is, is like a, a traveling band, right? They were in Boston last weekend. Peter Wolf of Jay Giles' band was with him. Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon. It was a great time in Boston. And they're doing the same thing here in September at Lucas Oil Stadium. And and Gorman said, hey, we may want to have you come up and introduce the band. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. I'd love to introduce the band. And he said, but we will probably have to buy you some new clothes. (laughs) Pick them up on it. Pick them up on it. Come on, man. He said, here, I'll give you 300 bucks. You go to Kohl's and set yourself up. (laughs) 300 bucks, you can buy the store. (laughs) All right, hey man, what's uh, what's going on at Golden Black? What's going on inside uh, Knucklehead Central? Is it fun? Yeah, well, yeah, you know they're always they're always kind of moaning about something, a lot of angst and anxiety, and, and created drama, if you will. Do we but, do we have angst and anxiety working right now in Knucklehead Central about the football season coming up? Football and basketball, both. You know, it never ends, and uh, you know, as much as people like to make fun of those message boards, that really is sort of the heartbeat. And the pulse of a lot of those sites, uh, the gold black included, the people check that thing two or three times a day. And, uh, no doubt. And, 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 you know, you know, you know, Johnny, everybody loves to share their opinion, right? Well, I know somebody in our office is probably on it right now as we speak. <laughs> I would uh, imagine that's, that's the case. I, I truly, I thought that with, you know, how easy uh, Twitter and now other avenues, other platforms have given, you know, instant access to, to comments and remarks that maybe message boards would have, that have been a fatality for message boards right there. But evidently it hasn't been, huh? Yeah, no, it really hasn't. You know, I think people like commiserating among themselves. It's, it's a common gathering place. It's, it's just a good way to organize the whole match of uh, crazy, passionate fans for every for every base. So, yeah, you know, uh, as much as sometimes they can they can drive us crazy, we always appreciate the passionate fan because, well, like all of us, we all have some of that in, in our souls. Just be crazy, passionate sports fans who sometimes care too much. Yeah, 
Well, hey, man, make sure if you got to grab a hammer or something, get over there and make sure that thing's done before the start of the season, right? The new Ross aid, you better do it. I'll have to shimmy up a crane to see if I can get my hard hat on and and help him help him out. I was gone. I was up there a month ago. Lafayette Jeff, my daughter was playing at um, what the hell is that uh, junior high right next to Lafayette Jeff? That's where I was. Yeah, Yeah. you're in Tecumseh Junior High School. Yeah, Lafayette Jeff. That is a really. I, I love, I love high school football stadiums, and you get this, I think, a lot in Northern Indiana, where they're in a in like a neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Lafayette Jeff there. is right there in that neighborhood. A lot of trees and stuff. It looks really cool. It's big. They should now. They just got to make it the, the the W Axel Rose football field. They, they got to come up with some way to honor Axel Rose. They do. It's and and we got to. You're going to get uh, Northwestern MVP Brooks Barnheiser coming up here too. So they'll have to name the court after Brooks Barnheiser one of these days. Right, Brooks Barnheiser. He's had a heck of a career so far at Northwestern. Yeah. Yep. So they're going to start giving the ball a little bit more too, so he can score. Even better. That'd be nice. I always kind of wonder why. I'm going to have to go up there and get Chris Collins in a headlock. So. <laughs> I always wonder how hard, how hard Purdue pushed to get that kid up. Well, I don't think they. I don't think there was uh, much. Uh, I don't think there's much there. I don't. No, and and listen, Brooks has carved out his own spot there. Yeah. And really really kind of cut it loose this past year. It was good to see. I did watching him play as a freshman and they rarely gave him any time whatsoever. And then last year obviously they did. But you know, I like the fact that he's able to carve out his own path. He is such an incredibly good kid and such yeah. a hard worker. I mean and I mean he's got a combination of that and then the fire that his dad, Mark Barnheiser, has always had to a, a level in which many oh. have ever seen, and I mean still to today, which is I've always had the highest admiration for that. He's just got a great combination of of getting the job done with all that in mind. Yeah, he really drove his two sons, I know, and they, they embraced it all and yep. uh have really reaped it. So yeah, it's it's easy to root for the, that kid and and I was kind of a soft spot for Northwestern basketball, so it's kind of nice when you see them enjoy some success, you know? Hey, um, I got some people asking me, uh, and I know i got to go here, but uh, Brian Newbert, and, and how's his situation going? He's doing a lot better. Thanks for asking. He's feeling better. Um, still has to take it slowly. It's been about six months since, since he had his operation, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he, he, he's doing very well. And um, we always appreciate everybody's wishes and, and prayers. And, yes. Uh, yeah, Brian's Brian's coming along very well, John. Yeah, give give him our best. Everybody up there our best, okay? No doubt about it. I sure will, John. We appreciate your thoughts again and maybe if you, if you get bored, come on over to Lucas Oil next Wednesday and Thursday, all right? Yeah, I wore my basketball shorts over there and everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll do it again soon. Hopefully see you next week.